privilege and an honor to be here with you guys this morning. Um, we guys doing, you guys doing okay this morning? Yeah? Okay. Let me just, yeah, someone's like, yeah, I am, all right? Here's the thing, is, as Dave's already mentioned, we have to share some pretty sensitive material with you guys this morning, some stuff that's very heavy on our heart. So unless you want me to start crying right now, I'm going to need a really rowdy crowd to kind of just urge me on through this thing. So are you guys doing good this morning? Yeah. All right, good, very good. So here's what I need, you need to wake up your neighbor, so I want you to turn to your neighbor really quick next to you and say, you know what, you look really good this morning, all right? Now you need to turn to your other neighbor and explain why you did not say that to them. All right, that's a, that's a bad way to start the morning with someone sitting next to you that's not, uh, not too happy with you. Uh, as Dave said, we are pastors up in the northwest suburbs of Chicago, uh, and we've been on staff up there at Alpine Chapel for almost five years now, uh, and it has been just a, a great, uh, great adventure for us up there. Um, and although I am a guest speaker, although we are guests here with you guys this morning, um, somewhat this feels like home. I have a lot of family, a lot of friends that are here, and uh, it, it's great to see all you guys and uh, just to be able to share this experience with you. Uh, I, I do just want to tell you guys, thank you so much for, for the opportunity and the honor. I'm going to cry already. This is terrible. <laughs> Too much family, like, right here. This is not good. Can you lower the lights on this section? But um, I'll tell you what. If you're a guest here, they didn't ask me to do this, but if you're a guest and you're searching for a home church, um, let me just encourage you to, to call this place it. Uh, I, I have seen a lot of church plants. I've been involved in a lot of different churches and there is something really special that's going on here at Connect Church. And if you are a guest and you're just thinking, man, I'm really looking for a place to call home, I'd encourage you just to keep checking this place out because there are these pastors right here, Dave and Casey, they love Jesus with all their heart and they love their community. So can you guys just honor your pastors this morning? We, we love them to death. Last week, um, I actually snuck in here. Um, and I heard Dr. Zach Sikora's message, and he was able to give us a very good message um, on anxiety. Uh, kind of looked at a, a clinical approach to anxiety and was able to look at what um, our knowledge and what medicine says about anxiety and overlap it with what God's Word says. And he was able to give us some really good insight about what God's Word says for us when it comes to worrying and about being anxious. Uh, I am not here today, though, to necessarily give you a, a clinical approach to the subject that we're going to talk about. Um, one, because I can't. I'm not a doctor, and I'm not going to do that. But we are here to talk to you about another giant. Um, to be honest, it's one that um, I, I'm not excited to talk about. Um, I love getting opportunities to speak to adults, to speak to young people, and encourage them with their life with Christ. But this is a subject matter that... Um, No matter how many times you talk about it, it's always hard. And it's real, and it's painful. And I, I love when Dave called me and asked me to do this, and I, and I, I love the opportunity, um, but it was one that I knew was going to be really difficult. And I, I've probably spoke this message, and we spoke at our home church in different places, uh, three, four times, and it never, never gets easier for this. And we're going to talk to you guys this morning about the giant of loss. Uh, I'm not going to be able to give you a, a three-step approach by the end of this message that you're going to walk out of here and you're going to go, man, I know how to deal with loss. I know exactly what I'm going to do when I go home. I'm going to call someone who's gone through this before. I'm going to be able to walk them through how to deal with loss. There's not a three-step or a five-step program that's going to help you deal with grievance, although there are some authors that really believe there are. I encourage you just to it, take it as you want. It, it didn't work for us. But this morning, I want to be able to share with you some things, some insights that did work for us. 
And I'm not going to speak to you as a doctor, but I want to speak to you as a person just like you. An everyday, ordinary person that has the opportunity to see God work through your life, to feel the pain, to feel the struggle, a person just like you. And we will be able to share our hearts and our opportunities that we've seen God work through our lives. Our goal this morning is not necessarily to shrink the giant of loss. I don't believe that can happen in in the time frame that we have this morning. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that the giants that you face, whether it be loss or, or your finances or anything else, they're not important, they're not real, just get over it, move on. You've grieved too long, start moving on with your life. I'm not going to sit here and do that with you guys this morning. But what I do want to do is I want to help you shift your perspective of your giant and change your view of God. See, the giant of loss is, is very real. It may look different to everyone in this room, but it is something that is very real. It may be someone who has uh, lost their job after being in the company for 30 plus years, and you've put in a lot of hard work, and you're ready to move up the ladder, and you know what, things just got bad, and, and that got ripped right out from underneath of you. Maybe it was your time for that promotion. You lost out on your promotion to the quote-unquote new guy who came in, probably a 20-something, all right? And it was gone, just like that. Maybe you're a student here in the room, and in all honesty, all you can think about is the feeling you get when you lose your cell phone. All right, parents, you know what I'm talking about? They act like those things just happen. They act like their house is gone. They act like their life is over because they've lost their phone. You know what? That's okay. That's you. Maybe you're here this morning, and you're dealing with the thought of losing your marriage because of your unfaithful husband or wife, or maybe just because you didn't pay enough attention and you let that distance grow so far away that now you're afraid you're gonna lose the one thing that you love. I know there are people here in this community, whether you're in this room or not, that have lost their memories, lost their possessions, lost their home, lost everything that you thought you loved in one moment of your life in a tornado that ripped through this community. Loss? is something that's very real. And this morning, my wife and I, whatever it is, our hearts go out to those who have lost something and you feel like your world has been destroyed. We know what it feels like to lose something that you love. Good morning. I want to be really honest with you. Um, This is really hard for me. Um, This is really emotional, so um, to get through this, I am just going to pretend that we're all a bunch of friends, and we are just hanging out here together. I kind of want to sit down, but I'll try to bear with this thing here. Um, This is is a giant that some of you, many of you know that Josh and I have faced head-on just in the last year here. Um, Last year in August... I was pregnant with our fifth child. Um, some of you think just that many children in itself is a giant, <laughs> and I understand that. Um, but we went for our 20-week ultrasound. Um, we were really excited um, because we have uh, four boys, and so every ultrasound, we were always really excited, but always got the same answer. <laughs> um, always boys, um, which I still love you. Um, <laughs> 
So this particular ultrasound, uh, we were going to find out gender of baby number five. It should have just been a typical um, happy day, call the rest of the family. Um, but instead, this day um, was quite different. We found out at this appointment that something was wrong. Um, and after being sent for more testing and level two ultrasounds, um, we received the phone call that every parent fears to, to hear. Um, our son was diagnosed with a fatal uh, genetic disorder called trisomy 18. And these are the results that we were getting over the phone. Um, the doctors were telling us um, this diagnosis is incompatible with life. And I remember being on the phone and the next thing she said, so what would you like to do now? And as you can imagine, in that very moment, um, our world just came crashing down. And doctors gave us very little hope. The statistics showed that um, babies with trisomy 18 uh, usually don't make it to their second or third trimester in pregnancy. 50% of these babies um, are stillborn and boys having a higher stillbirth rate than girls. And then if our baby were to survive labor, they told us, um, you might have a few hours um, and only 10% make it to their first birthday. So we're, we're given this news, and then I begin to see specialists uh, twice a week, and we're driving an hour to our appointments, and we're seeing two to three different specialists, cardiologists, neonatologists, um, genetic disorder counselors. Um, the list just goes on and on. We were seeing social workers, grievance counselors. People were already asking us about planning a funeral at 20 and 22 weeks, and um, we were exhausted physically, mentally, um, we were asked countless times if we wanted to terminate our pregnancy, if things were just too hard, if we just couldn't bear the unknown. In every appointment, I remember praying on the hour drive, every appointment, hoping the doctors would have something different to say this time. Maybe they'd see a miracle right then and there. Maybe they'd see something different, but always the same. No certainty of how long we'd have our baby boy. So my mind, it raced forwards and backwards, and um, I was, what I felt, literally, I felt crippled with fear. Um, most days, my eyes were swollen shut. My face was stained with tears. I hardly answered my phone. Um, the unknown tormented my thoughts, which resulted in countless sleepless nights. And I remember one day... Um, looking like that, soaked with tears. And I turned to Josh and I said, um, I want to give our son a name because I don't know if these are the only days that I have with him. And I want him to know a mom who loves him and a dad who loves him and a family of brothers and aunts and uncles and cousins and grandmas and all, all of these people who love him. And so we decided to name our son Zion. And Zion Isaiah was was his name that we just all clung to in our family. They all responded with just so much love already for this little boy. And it was that day that Josh and I made a choice. And this was not, this was not an easy decision. This was not a one snap and things got better. But we made a choice that without knowing the future or what might happen with our son, we chose that no matter what, 
no matter what, with all the statistics, that God would be glorified through this life. And I remember this day. I was about 22 weeks pregnant. And I remember we looked at each other and we said, okay, we're going we're gonna to do this. We're going to make it no matter what. We would trust that God was in control. This was a daily effort. This was a daily reminder. Every day I had to remember God's truth because I didn't wake up every day feeling like I could, I could face that day. I had to remember God's faithfulness. And I had to remember God is who he says he is. And I needed to remember this to overcome fear. The fear of losing him during pregnancy. The fear of delivering my child stillborn. And ultimately just the fear of loss. I had to know that Jesus was the same today, yesterday, and forever. And these are the truths that really brought us the strength that we needed. And these are the truths that brought us to January 11th, 2014. It was just a little over six months ago that Zion Isaiah was born that evening. We instantly fell in love along with our family and friends who flooded the room. We had this four-pound, seven-ounce, tiny little miracle that came into our world and changed us forever. And I, I can remember that moment, and in that very moment, my whole world just stood still. I look at my pictures every day, and I can remember every feeling that I had in those moments because he was here. And, and those moments, my questions and my doubt and all my fears, they disappeared because in that moment, God's love was so overwhelming and just this little tiny hope. I just marveled at his peaceful little body as the doctors were scurrying around. He was just perfect. Like he just knew he had this. His four pound, seven ounce little guy, he just had this. And he was so perfect. And everyone who met him just loved him, fell in love, saw God's beauty, and just knew of God's love. Zion began beating the odds, and we got to eventually take him home. And for 10 days, we were given the most amazing gift. And I honestly believe that God filled those 10 days with more love than I think I've ever known in my whole life. And it was because each day was lived with so much purpose and every day mattered. We weren't promised the next day and every day mattered. And every night we would um, take Zion up to the boys and we actually just talked about this last night um, we were driving in the van, in our, in our tiny minivan, that we were so frustrated with our loud children. And then the boys chimed in. They said, Mom, you remember when, when every night for 10 days you would bring Zion upstairs and we would all hold him and we would all give him kisses and they all loved his little hairdo and they thought he was so cute and so tiny. And, and they're sitting there telling me of their memories and they're like, do you remember that, Mom, that God gave us that gift? And I'm just thinking, yeah, I, I remember that. And I remember those times we focused so much on what God had given us. And I'm so thankful because every night we got the chance to thank God for this perfect gift. And we just want to share a little glimpse of the life of Zion with you guys today. And that is our mighty Zion that we were able to celebrate 
with our friends and our family and eventually then the world. What a little champion that God used to impact the world. On day 10 was by far the hardest day of my life. And Jesus took our little tiny Zion home. He was perfect and peaceful after taking his last breath. My heart was so heavy and so sad. And I I didn't even know how to let him go. And every day without him is hard. Some days are harder than others and some days seem unbearable. And some I've wondered how I would even live without him. But even in my darkest moments, God begins to shine just a glimmer of hope. And six months ago, a little baby boy entered the world and was given very little hope. In hopes, the very thing that he brought with him. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. You, you see, our reaction most oftentimes is to focus on only what we can see and to focus only on a hopeless diagnosis and to only see the fear of the unknown and the pain of living with loss. And our thoughts are so limited. But when we remember God and who he is, he does amazing things even through a little tiny baby in just only 10 days. And we began to, to change the way that we prayed. As we were facing this giant of loss, we began to pray for God to be glorified through this. I remember as I um, journaled throughout my pregnancy and I, I, wrote, I wrote that down that I wrote, we want to see God glorified. And I, I said, God, I don't even know what your glory looks like in this situation. I don't even know exactly what this prayer means. I don't know how that looks. But we prayed, God, be glorified through us and through this life. We were overwhelmed with love from family, friends, strangers all across the world, countless people sharing stories with us of how Zion's life had impacted them. And I just want to share a couple of those stories with you today. There was a girl that messaged me. A lot of this was through social media. And to be honest, I, I couldn't get to a lot of this this right away and, and several things I got month, months later. And there was a girl who was struggling with depression for seven years, she said, And she was having one of her worst days. And for whatever reason, she sat down and went on the internet and she came across Zion's story. She said that this story helped her to pray again for the first time in a long time. And that his story did more for her than years of preaching that she's ever been exposed to. And she saw God's love revealed. What she stated was his purpose goes far beyond, I think, what anyone on earth can imagine. Heaven will see more people because of this life. Another story of a nurse who works at Lutheran General in the pediatric wing. She deals with many parents during this heartache. And she left this comment. She said, I love what they did. After 16 years of watching little ones earn their wings too early, this story gives me a new perspective And I can help other families learn how to cherish the moments they have. I really admire them for being so brave. Their faith really seems to have enabled them to have strength and make the most of his life and honor him. 
there was a, another girl, a young widow. She commented on one of my photos. She lost her husband after one short year of marriage, and she said she was so angry. She was so bitter at God, at everyone, and she'd been this way for so long since she'd lost her husband. She said after seeing Zion's video, she had a completely new perspective on life, and she finally realized that she could be thankful for that year that they celebrated together. One more story of a girl, actually I have two more stories. A girl from Finland messaged me. I'm, I don't know who these people are, and some people gave me other languages, and I still don't know what they said, but I hope it's all good. But um, this girl from Finland said, a life was saved. And it just caught my eye. I, I'm thinking, a life was saved. She said, I shared this story. I shared Zion's video with a lady who had just been at the doctor's office and told that her baby has a genetic disorder, a disability, and the doctors recommended for her to abort her baby. She had the appointment scheduled, and after seeing the video, she called and canceled her appointment for her abortion. And she said, your story has saved a life. What a moment it will be one day in heaven to see how many lives were saved through your family, sharing your joy and your grief and your trust in Jesus in the midst of it all. This last story is really unusual, and um, one Sunday at our home church, um, just a regular Sunday, a taxi pulls up. That's awkward. Um, that's not normal. And um, these, this couple steps out, and they were obviously visitors because they were in a taxi. Um, and so we were just kind of all like, oh, who are these strange people? And they came in and they said, um, could we meet Josh and Robin? And they they said, well, sure. And um, so they pulled Josh out of service. Like he was like doing things important. <laughs> and um, I knew it was important. <laughs> <laughs> they pulled Josh out of service and they, they found me. And this couple said, um, we're from Spain. And we came on our holiday and we flew over to Chicago and we took a taxi to Alpine because we wanted to meet you guys. And we were like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> And, and they actually said, they actually said, we fear that you might think we're crazy because um, we really did come to meet you guys. And we're kind of going, yeah, yeah you, you are. might be. Um, but they, they, they were so genuine and they just said, we just want to say thank you. We have a friend that's going through the similar situation. They are dealing with loss and we're walking this journey with them. And your story has given us strength, strength and taught us how to walk alongside these people. And your story has taught us how we view life and our children and every day has changed since then. And we just want to say thank you. And then they offered that we could come stay with them in Spain sometime. <laughs> And I'm just blown away. I mean, these are just a few. I mean, I've taken up way too much time already. And these are just a few of the stories that God has just been glorified through our, our tiny little son. And it's just our obedience in saying that, Lord, we just want you to be glorified. And we've just sat back and watched what he's done. Right? Yeah. I gave her the hard part, and she did an amazing job at it. I had to turn my microphone off, and now I sound like I've been crying because I have been. So there you have it. Anyway, I know you guys will deal with it. As Rob said, those are just a few um, specific instances that we could share with you guys about how in our vulnerability and sharing this story, we're able to see um, greater connectivity. 
um, greater connectivity to God, and we're able to kind of shift our perspective of just focusing on what was directly in front of us and the pain that was directly in front of us and asking, God, what do you want in this situation? And we don't even have the full understanding of what has actually happened. As those are specific instances, there are things that are going on globally because of this. And, and, and there is a story. This video specifically has been viewed on Vimeo. Uh, it, it's a place where it holds uh, videos like this. And it's been seen in over 140 countries in our world. It's been loaded on individual computers 12.2 million times and played in its entirety almost 4 million times. You want to talk about a great opportunity to get the hope of Jesus into the hands of the world? That right there is amazing. It's been seen on on news articles such as The Blaze, DailyMail.co.uk, DailyMail.us, Chicago Parent Magazine, The New York Reporter, USA Today Online, Australia Health and Wellness, a German newspaper that I can't pronounce, Illuminati Visnu Babeo in Vietnam, ChristianPost.com, Focus on the Family, and Today.com. It's been translated in, in different languages such as Korea, Germany, Vietnam, Croatia, Slovakia, Canada, Brazil, Scotland, and Switzerland. This story has been talked about greatly and widely on different social media platforms. And when I say that my son has done more in his lifetime than I ever imagined he, he possibly or I ever could, I mean that in its entirety. He was actually a trending topic on Twitter for a week. What? I will never do anything cool enough to be a trending topic on Twitter. I promise you that. But here's what's great. Even I could joke about this. Is what that successfully means is the Blick family is the most successful evangelist in the world, right? I'm just saying. That's, that's the hope of Jesus going into the world. And I don't say that to prop us up at all because I want you guys to know as we're sitting here talking about loss, there was never a time where we started looking for the good. You're never going to come to the end of this and someone say, well, you know, there's a lesson that's going to be learned in all this. You know God's going to work this out for you in the end, and you're going to see that. I can tell you honestly, and, I, and I, as a pastor, this is terrible me to say, but I had so many verses pushed my way, and so many people put a hand on my shoulder and say, well, I just wanted to throat chop them, all right? I was just like, Psh, don't say that to me anymore. Here's the thing is that even in the midst of our pain, and as you can tell from my wife getting up here and sharing the story and us sniffling through the video over and over again, this is a pain that reoccurs. This is dealing with the giant of loss is something that we have to choose to get up every morning and face. But it is only because of the promises and the hope of Jesus Christ that we're able to do that every day. And when you change your perspective and you start looking at the fact that his ways are greater than our ways and his plans are not our plans, and you say, God, I don't know what you're doing in my life, what you're doing in this circumstance or this situation, but I trust you entirely. See, what happens, though, is that we try to understand God. We try to take an infinite being. We try to take the creator of the universe, the God that grabbed the stars and pinned them into the night sky, the one who scooped the oceans and the seas into the palms of his hands and dropped them into existence, the one who knows each and every hair on your head. We try to understand that God, an infinite being, and we want to understand him like we understand our own knowledge. And if you do that, you are going to constantly banging your head into a wall saying, why? How? How can I do this? 
there was a time in our story where I realized that there is a, a, a scope of understanding. There's faith, which says that God can do everything. If I, just, if I put my faith in that, I know God can because that's what the scripture says. Then you have the doctors over on the other side saying, this is what the fact is. The fact is, and you have, to, you have to acknowledge that those are real because this is the world that we live in. And then there's faith over here and there's fact over here. And God says, I want you to trust. I want you to trust. And somewhere in between your fact and your faith is God says, just trust me. Place your foot in front of the other and just trust me. And I can tell you honestly, that is a very easy phrase to say until you've had to walk that. It is easy as a pastor to get up here and say, you just need to trust God in your situation. But until you've been faced with a giant that has literally kicked you down and crippled you and you're living in the shadows of his size, it's much easier to say than it is to live. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 is probably a verse. If you grew up in church, you've known it your whole life. And if not, here it is. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. And he will make your path straight. Trust is one of the biggest keys when you're dealing with loss. Acknowledging the fact that our God is an infinite being and his ways are higher than ours and he has a plan and you may not see it now and it may be years before you do, but he is at work. Dealing with loss is is just part of our life, whether it's a job, your marriage, your house, whatever it may be, or even a loved one. It's here. It's real. The real question, though, for you isn't, why me? Or, or how do I survive? Or what do I do next? When, when will this feel different? But if you're asking those questions, you're asking the wrong question this morning. The real question is, who? See, so often in our life, we get stuck on the why and the how, and we forget to ask the who. And we forget about God. In this world where there's pain and there's suffering because of our sinful nature as we've been pulled apart from God, you cannot afford to forget God. Let me pray for us. I'm I'm not going to be long. We've got just a few more minutes, and I just want to give you a a closing story and a thought maybe as something that helped me and helped my wife as we walk through this process. Let me just pray that we can bring us all together here. God, we thank you so much just for um, an opportunity and a place to come just to be challenged by these different things that um, are constantly wanting to Keep us down, hold us down, make us feel insignificant and small. And today, God, we deal with something that is uh, extremely hard and extremely sensitive to talk about. And Lord, I know there's nothing that's going to come out of my mouth that's going to make every person feel better as they walk out of here. But God, I just pray that in these next few minutes, we can remember who you are and that you're the God that's with us always, never leaving us, always walking with us. In your name, amen. I want to just encourage you guys, uh, just to, if you can, um, take a few notes over these next few minutes here as we have together. I heard a really discouraging statistic as a communicator that you will actually forget 90 to 95% of everything that you hear within 72 hours. I was like, that sucks. As a communicator, that's the last thing that you want to hear. Unless it's my father-in-law. In that case, you forget in like 72 minutes, okay? I don't know where he's at, but anyway. You have to take some notes, okay? You're not going to remember much things that I say. So if you take some notes, it's going to help you come later in this week because you're not going to remember me, but you're going to remember what you wrote down. So do that. Here we go. 
There is a story that is actually found in Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 through 27. And we're going to be hanging out here for pretty much the rest of the time. This is a story about a storm. Now, I know as soon as I say storm, some of you guys start getting cold sweats. You curl up in a fetal position, and you're like, I don't want to talk about storms. But here's the reality. Is that in the Bible, when we talk about storms, when we talk about giants, you're talking about the same thing. It's something that's outside of your control. It's something that is larger than life, that you're living in the shadows of. It's dark, it's scary, and it leaves you feeling powerless. And you need something greater than yourself to overcome it. So we have this story about a storm. Let's go ahead and read this together. If we could put this up on the screen, please. It says, Then he, being Jesus, got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. I, if you just, that is huge right there. You need to know that. His disciples followed him, meaning that Jesus went there first. They followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. That's so awesome. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up, rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? I wonder how many of us in our life have, have faced a storm of this size. Not, not literally, although some of you have, but more of a figuratively. How many have faced something that is so great, a situation or a circumstance that is so great that in everything going on, all of a sudden, in a moment, you just begin to panic? See, what I want to show you in this story and something that is the truth that held for my wife and I in our life and something that I believe that is true for every person in this room. It's important for you to remember who is with you in the boat. It's important for you to remember who is with you every step of the way. When the sun is shining and when the clouds are dark, when there's joy in your life and when there is pain, it's important, important for you to remember who is with you. Now, we're not exactly sure how this whole story goes down in the Bible. It doesn't exactly say, um, but we could kind of get creative with how we think about this. I don't know if the disciples had to draw, uh, you know, draw straws for this of who's going to wake up Jesus, because let's be honest— you, you don't want to be the guy that's like, you have to go wake up Jesus, okay? Like, I wouldn't want to be the one picked for that. I mean, here it is. Jesus is just cashed out. He's sleeping. He's been doing miracles all day long. He is just sawing logs on this boat. He's happy as can be. And the storm comes along. He's still sleeping. They're like, hey, you got to go wake up Jesus. I'd be like, nope, not doing it, all right? So we don't know if they like drew straws, if they had to do rock, paper, scissors. I don't really know. It doesn't really say. But anyhow, we know that someone had to go over there and wake up Jesus, so they walk over to him, and I can imagine the disciple in, in utter, utter fear and panic. And, you know, they start down, they're like, hey, hey, Jesus. Jesus. Oh, God. You know, like, kind of like, what's he going to, Jesus. And all of a sudden, they wake him up, you know, and he just, have you ever been woke up in your dead sleep? I have my four-year-old son. Oh, my goodness. He's like a ninja. I don't know how he gets into my bedroom at night, but he will sneak on in there, and all of a sudden, he's like, I can feel his warm, it's disgusting. I feel his warm breath on my face. And all of a sudden he's like, Daddy. I'm like, Shh, I almost killed you, kid. What are you doing to me, man? I'm telling you, if you've been woken up, it's a bad deal. But I, I love Jesus' response. He looks at them and he says, Why? Why are you so afraid? This storm? Why are you panicking? 
Did you, did you forget that I'm, I'm the son of God, that I led you to this boat, that you followed me here? Are you, are you panicking? Did you forget all the things that you just saw me do? Do you forget all the great things that I've done for you in your life? Why are you so afraid? See, hours earlier in the verse 14, the Bible actually titles this entire section as Jesus heals many. They didn't even keep count. It was just like miracle after miracle. They, the disciples walked side by side with him and saw him do uh, just crazy miracles, cure incurable diseases such as, I mean, it just goes on and on. And I'm going to cut this section out because I know I'm running out of time here, but well, that's okay. I'm not worried about that. The disciples were with him the entire time. And I need you to understand and I need you to write something down this morning because this is the truth. When you forget God, you panic. When you forget God, you panic. No matter what giant you're facing, no matter what time of life he comes around, if you forget God, you're going to panic. It would have been very easy for my wife and I in this moment, in utter pain, when things seemed really dark, when it felt like it was a storm just surrounding our lives and there was no hope, it would have been really easy just to panic. But we were able to remember a God who loved us and a God who cared and a God whose ways are above ours. In the book of Deuteronomy, it's recorded several times saying this phrase, speaking to God's chosen people, Israel, saying, remember the Lord your God. Remember the Lord your God. The miracles that set you free. The fire that led you through the night sky in the wilderness, the cloud that led you by day, the manna that came from the sky when you were hungry, the seas that parted right in front of your face. Remember the Lord your God. This morning, I just want to remind you to remember your God, a God that chose you, a God who is right beside you in your joy and in your pain. And to never lose focus of him. Because as soon as you lose focus of God, you begin to focus on something else. You lose focus on God, you're going to focus on your circumstance, your situation, your pain, your sorrow, everything else that's going on in this world. But you must focus on God. You must remember your God. When you remember God, you have peace in your storms. When you remember God, you know that you are going to make it. When you remember God, there's strength to face whatever giant you must. I'll be extremely honest and transparent with you guys this morning. Our giant, the giant of loss, is one that I have to face every day. When I see my wife in tears and I don't have words to say. When I try to muster up enough courage to go to the gravesite, 
I have to take time out of my day and remember God. Because if I don't, I begin to focus on the pain. Because I'm able to see so many different stories and different lights in this darkness, I remind myself that God is at work and that he has a plan and that although I may not understand, I trust him. I can say this to everyone that's in this room and if you're a follower of Christ, you know what I'm saying. And if you're not, I need you to hear me. I can only say this, that it's 100% confidence. It's because the hope of Jesus Christ that we were able to make it through something so traumatic. It's only because we were able to know and rely on who God is. We choose to remember God because in this world, in this life, we can't afford to forget. You will fumble all through life, searching over and over again if you don't take the time to remember God. On your chairs this morning, uh, you're probably sitting on a, a, a card that you probably notice. It's on your chair every morning. And I asked Dave to put a little uh, post-it note. In my office, when there's something that I need to remember, I, I write one of these things down and I'll stick it in a place that I have to make sure that I see it so that I don't forget. And what I want to encourage all of us to do this week, I want you to take the blue post-it note. And I simply want you just to write these words. Remember God. And then I want you to do is I want you to take that post-it note and I want you to place it in a place that you have to come face-to-face with it every day. Guys, if that's the refrigerator, then put it on the refrigerator, okay? If it's on the dashboard of your car, if it's on the mirror in your bathroom, I don't care where it is. For a whole week, I want you to place this card, this post-it note that says, remember God, and somewhere that you have to come face-to-face with it every day. So that this week, your attention is drawn to remembering God. So no matter which giant you're facing, You remember that it's him that's going to get you through. Encourage you maybe to post some pictures of where you're you're keeping your post-it note and and hold some people accountable and asking them what they're doing this week to remember God. Let me just pray for us this morning. God, we thank you for your promises and your truth for your word that reminds us that you are greater than anything that we can face, anything that we have to overcome. For your word that reminds us that you will never leave us nor forsake us. For your word that says that you have a plan for us. But God, I ask that every person here this morning, God, has enough trust in you that although they may not understand and they may be stuck in their grief, in their sorrow, they don't know why, that they'll turn their attention to who? They turn their attention to you, and remember that you're the God that chose them. You chose us out of all of your creation to walk with, and we thank you for that. God, I pray for every person who may be experiencing uh, loss, 
and who is walking through this, God. I pray that you'll just give them the, a, a strength. God, place your arms around them this week and allow them just to know that you are with them. God bless this church and, and just the remainder of this series as they continue just to be um, slaying these giants that stand in front of them and their greatness. In your name, amen.